0: Thank you, Maddie, and thank you so much for being with us today on Father's Day. And uh, happy Father's Day today. Um, If your father is still living, I hope you'll have the opportunity to honor him today. And dads, all of you here who are fathers, um, we honor you today for the really important, vital work you do, and we celebrate uh, dads today. As people are starting to return to church, and wow, what a joy it is to see all of your faces. Praise the Lord and hear your voices. It is just so, yeah, it's so wonderful to see you. And um, how I thank the Lord for what he's he's, uh, brought us through in the ability to uh, gather together today. As people are returning to church, we're seeing quite a few new people coming to our church, people who were not here before the pandemic, and we are super excited about that. One of the most important parts of our ministry to our guests, to people who attend our church for the first time or recent attendees, is our ministry to their children. Um, When you're serving children, you're helping to reach entire households. And with that in mind, for the next couple of months, we are embracing an especially important mission. If you've been with us a while, you know that, that every month we have a, a local mission or local ministry of the, the month. But for the next couple months, we're embracing what we're calling the mission down the hall. That is the mission to our preschoolers and elementary age children in Kids Rock and Noah's Ark. And from time to time, you'll hear a story, a brief story from someone who is uh, really investing in them. And you'll hear one such uh, story now on the screens from Susan Scott.
1: For a, probably for over five years now, I love kids. Um, and for some reason, I love the younger kids. Uh, my boys are 25 and 28 now and I miss them being young. I miss that that opportunity to just sit down and hug on them or to talk to them at their level and, and just sitting down on the floor with all these boys and watching them roll around and knowing that they're hearing me, they may not look like they're listening, But I know they're hearing what I'm saying. I remember one Sunday that it was like two or three boys at the same time. They all got it. It was like light bulbs went off. You could just tell that Jesus was right there with them. And it was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Doesn't happen every Sunday. Sometimes they're a little bit more rowdy. Um, And sometimes we just have more games. But just those days, then all of a sudden you can see one or two of them, the light bulb goes off and they understand Jesus. It's great. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. I miss them come August, when my, my boys are moving up to the next grade. It just brings tears to my eyes, because I'm gonna miss them. And, and then it, I see the little new guys coming in, and they're nervous, and they don't know what to do. And, and then you think it's a whole new experience. But just to have all those kids, watching all those kids in the room, all of them worshiping, worshiping Jesus. It is just beautiful, just beautiful.
0: Well, thank you, Susan Scott, and thanks to all of you who do uh, embrace this very important mission down the hall, as we're calling it. You know, this weekend is uh, we're celebrating, of course, Father's Day, and it's also an important new national holiday, Juneteenth. I have to confess that until just two or three years ago, I didn't really know what Juneteenth was, but it's also been called Emancipation Day and celebrates the emancipation of enslaved peoples in the U.S., and um, with that in mind, and with our mission down the hall in mind, I wanted to share what I thought was a particularly powerful quote that I read recently by Frederick Douglass. If you're not familiar with Frederick Douglass, he, um, he wrote the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. He was a former slave, uh, a writer, uh, an abolitionist, and a statesman. And uh, one of the important things Frederick Douglass said was this. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. How true that is, how important that is. When we're able to teach and reach children at a young age, we help them to avoid many of the hard and bad things that can mark a person's life throughout their adult years. And so uh, I do hope you'll join with us in embracing our mission down the hall. Now, would you join me as we pray before we get into uh, our scripture passage this morning? Father, again, we're gathered today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How we thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. I pray today that your Holy Spirit move among us to work in the life of each person gathered here to have a greater awareness of who you are, of your will and purpose for our lives. Lord, on this particular weekend, we want to thank you for the end of the evil institution of slavery in our country. We pray for the reality of liberty and justice for all to prevail. We also thank you today, Lord, especially for the earthly fathers that you gave each of us. Help us to honor them, to honor our fathers and mothers as you commanded us to do. And Lord, for those without an earthly father, how we thank you that you are A father to the fatherless would you bring great comfort to those who are grieving the absence or the loss of a father this day and now as we approach your holy word would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your law and we ask this in your great name amen well thank you again for being here today we are doing a a short series the early part of this summer, called benediction. We're looking at those passages in the Bible that are sometimes referred to as benedictions, those places where uh, God, through one of his servants, speaks blessing upon his people. And I think it's important to study them because they teach us about God's will for our lives. They can also shape our own praying or blessing of others. The classic benediction in Scripture, the one most people know about, is the one we studied our first Sunday, four weeks ago. That's from Numbers chapter 6. I'd like to look at it briefly again this morning by way of a review. You'll see it on the screens. Numbers 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and Aaron and his sons were the priests, the ones who offered sacrifices for the sins of the people, represented the people before God so the Lord said to Moses speak to Aaron and his son saying thus shall you bless the people of Israel you shall say to them the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace these are words God wanted to be spoken over his people to convey what he, the Lord, wanted to do in their lives. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Now we saw in this well-known benediction that behind biblical blessing, biblical benediction is the great name of the Lord. His name represents who he is. We've seen further that benedictions in scripture reveal God's will for His people. Uh, We can't just make something up as a benediction. Uh, You you, you can't say to your friend, hey, uh, the Lord bless you this afternoon with a a brand new Mercedes in place of your Ford Pinto. Those of you, anybody know what a Ford Pinto is in here, by the way? Okay, some of you old enough to know uh, what a Ford Pinto was. Um, you can't just make something up, but the benedictions in Scripture have already been inspired by God. They guide us in knowing His will. They guide us in in praying. Um, benedictions can can shape our own prayer lives. Those of you praying for family members, praying for little little children. We were at the beach last week with uh, our, our our two kids and their spouses, and our daughter has a four and two year old. And and uh, often when picking them up, I just feel compelled to to pray over them. May the blessing of the Lord be upon you. Uh, may God bless you with his grace and his peace. And um, God wants us to be able to speak and pray blessings over others. Now, today we transition to Psalm 67. And one reason I wanted to take a look back at the Numbers chapter 6 blessing is because Psalm 67, read by Maddie just a moment ago, really echoes parts of of the blessing in numbers. May God be gracious to us and bless us and hear those words again, make his face to shine upon us. Almost the same thing we just read back in uh, the passage, the words that God gave to Moses. Years later, the psalm writer giving us a psalm is pointing out that our greatest need is for God's grace. And so the writer prays, may God be gracious to us. May God Bless us. This is a good one to pray for for yourself or for your loved ones. But what does it mean for God to be gracious to us? Well, I think our our understanding, if those of you who are Christians, if you've read the Bible, maybe you've been in church here for a while, you you hear us talk often about the grace of God given us in Jesus. And perhaps one of the most frequently quoted verses in our church is the one you see on the screen Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, which says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. So the greatest uh, uh, outworking or showing of the grace of God is in our, our salvation. It doesn't come about by our works, but by what Jesus did in our place on the cross. That's typically how we have understood the grace of God. And the grace of God in the gospel and what Jesus did for us, it meets our very deepest need, our need for forgiveness of sin and shame, adoption by God, given eternal life in Him. Often people will say a good way to remember what grace means is by a little acronym uh, using the letters G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's important. In fact, it's the most important manifestation of God's grace, that grace given us in our salvation through Jesus. But what I'd like to share with you this morning is that our understanding of the grace of God can be much more broad than this. Our salvation is the most important outworking of God's grace for us. But on the screen, you'll see a list of benedictions all from the writing of the Apostle Paul there are 24 different blessings or benedictions in which the Apostle Paul uses the word grace 24 times in his 13 letters in the New Testament so often he does this twice in one of his letters of the New Testament he says something like that something like grace to you and Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. He's saying it all the time. Grace be with you. Grace be with you. And as we read the the, the openings of these letters, it's very clear he's talking to people who are already Christians. So what does he mean by saying grace be with you? Is he saying may you be saved again? Or may you be saved? Well, they're already saved. What does he mean when he he says grace and peace be multiplied to you, more grace to you? What's he talking about? They've already experienced the grace of God in salvation. Our understanding of the grace of God can be uh, far broader than it has been, but to, to get that understanding, we have to look at how the word grace is used in the New Testament in different settings, in different contexts. For example, in our need for God's grace, we also see God's grace spoken of as God's enabling power for the challenges we face. It's by the grace of God that we are saved, most importantly, absolutely yes. But the grace of God does more in our lives. The grace of God can be understood as as grace upon us for all the hard things we face in life. The Apostle Paul teaches us that God's grace can be understood this way. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, a most interesting chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing about his own sufferings as a follower of Jesus Christ. And and one of the things he says is that he had been afflicted by a messenger from Satan sent to buffet him or to harass him. He doesn't say in that passage what that, what that was all about. He just said it was a, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, to harass him. And he says, about this, I besought the Lord. I pleaded with the Lord three times. God, please take it away. And what did God say in response to Paul? He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here God's grace could be understood as his enabling power, his enabling power to endure and to persevere in something hard and difficult for the glory of God. Paul then understanding it says, therefore I'll boast the more gladly about my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. What? Paul says, I'll be glad about my weaknesses, these hard things, because the grace of God is upon me. This enabling presence of the Holy Spirit with me, working through me, what might that mean for you and me? Maybe you're you're doing something you know God's called you to do in life, but it's become hard, very hard like it had for the Apostle Paul. Maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you're a teacher and you went through this past year and you said, this year of all years, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can make it through. Maybe you're teaching children at home, having that experience. You know what you're doing. You know you're doing what God called you to do, but it's become so hard. This is a time to pray, God, may you be gracious to me. Bless me, cause your face to shine upon me. May your grace and peace be multiplied to me. May I grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Draw strength from the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't end when you are saved. The grace of God is upon you for all of life to do all that God has called you to do. Maybe you're the parent of a particularly difficult child. You know God gave you this child. You know you're called to be this child's parent. But you need grace, the grace of God upon you for this role. You may need the grace of God in your Christian marriage. How many of you have learned in marriage that, you know, uh, 10, 15 years in marriage, you don't feel quite the same we did when you were engaged all the time? We walk by faith. We draw on the grace of God. Some of you caring for an aging parent. See, some of you going through that and know it's difficult, it's hard. You're honoring your father or your mother, just like the Bible says to do. But you go, God, I can't do this. I'm at the end of my rope. That's when you say, God, I'm trying to honor you, trying to do what you call me to do. I need the manifestation of your grace. May you be gracious to me. Would you bless me? Would you cause your face to shine upon me? May I experience more fully your enabling power that is your grace for the hard things in my life. God's grace is his enabling power. It's even more than that, though. God's grace in the New Testament can be understood as God's gifting to serve other people. Notice how the Apostle Peter uses the same New Testament word for grace in the verses in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. He writes, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's Varied grace. Then he gives a couple examples. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. That is your speaking as God working through you. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that God may be glorified in everything. God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. What does this mean? I think it's true that every believer every person who has embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord is given some measure of God's grace in the form of a spiritual gift. Peter mentions mentions a couple of those here, a gift of serving and a gift that has to do with speaking God's, maybe teaching God's word. If we were to look in in Romans chapter uh, 12, we'd see there are seven of these gifts listed there. And it seems evident that every believer is given one or more of of these gifts. Now, everybody's called to serve. If you're a Christian, that's part of being a Christian, serving others. But there's some Christians that God gives this multifaceted, varied grace. If you guys could put that verse back up from 1 Peter 4 on the screen, I'll, I'll mention again what he says in the first phrase. We're good stewards of God's varied grace. God's grace is is varied. It's multifaceted. And and one facet of His grace may be given to you in a gift of serving. I look at people uh, in the morning preparing our coffee bar and walk by and, and look at the kitchen. And I often see smiles on the faces. Smiles on people who are unwrapping muffins, preparing coffee, and seeing joy in their faces. And I think, that, that's... That's someone with a gift of serving. They're not serving because they have to. They find joy in serving other people. Um, I I spoke to a a new member of our church who was serving back in Noah's Ark a couple weeks ago. I said, Thank you for serving our kids back there. Her face just lit up. Oh, I love to do that. I love to do that. When people are using their grace gift, there's joy, there's fulfillment. Furthermore, notice how. uh, Peter states this, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. You know what a steward is? A steward is someone who's been entrusted with something from the owner. God's the owner. He entrusts us with a grace gift, maybe a gift of serving, maybe a gift of giving. Romans tells us some people have a gift of giving, Now, every Christian is supposed to give, but some people find great, great joy in in giving and uh, tend to give with a great abundance. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So, God's grace can be not only his enabling power for the hard things, but his gifting for service, his gifting to serve other people. If you're a Christian, I do believe Scripture would confirm that. There's some grace gift in your life for serving other people. You may not have found out what it is yet, but uh, I pray that you will in time. God's grace might further be uh, manifested as His power to be witnesses. In Acts chapter one, Jesus had said, "If you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses." We see. Later in the book of Acts, that with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The grace of God was resting upon the people, these new Christians. Being a witness involves speaking about Jesus, yes, but also living in such a way that our lives are witnesses. Our lives are, are light to the world. The Apostle Paul would pray later in the New Testament that the name of the Lord Jesus be glorified in you, in you in him, according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus. God's glorified in your life when his grace is resting upon your life. So in summary, the grace of God certainly, most importantly, brings us into an experience of salvation but also enables us to live in such a way that the name of Jesus is glorified in us. So when you pray, may God be gracious to us. Or at the end of a service, when you hear someone saying, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Understand that it's much more than just the grace that worked in your salvation, but it's the enabling power for everything God gives you to do in life. It's his varied gifting to serve other people. It's his presence with you so that you live as a witness to others. Our greatest need is for the grace of God. So it is not selfish to pray Psalm 67, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us for your family, for your small group, for your friends, for your church. Further, as we get back to Psalm 67, the psalmist makes it clear that the world's greatest need is to know God's saving power. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity. And guide the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. I look at those verses for a moment, because God will judge the peoples with equity. That is, God will judge the nations on earth. It is critically important that all people on earth know His saving power. Because none of us can stand before God on our own merit. We need to know His saving power. It's notable, I think, that the writer of this psalm, as with all the psalms, was Jewish. But the writer's concern is now for all the nations of the earth, not just the Jews. And this is consistent with what God spoke to Abraham. Your offspring, your descendants... All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. For that reason, Psalm 67 is often considered a missionary psalm, a missions psalm, a world missions psalm. And it leads us to the final point, I think. The writer ties together God's gracious blessing on his people in the world's great need for God's saving power. And we can understand that God's gracious blessing on us should result in others coming to know him. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God's blessing on his people is directly linked to his saving power coming to those who don't know him. And then the psalm ends this way, the earth has yielded it's increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The psalmist now talks about God's blessing, God's benediction, in terms of material abundance, material increase. Uh, In biblical times, when crops were good, that that was financial prosperity for people. That was abundance. That was provision. So, is it okay to pray this psalm for yourself, God be gracious to us and bless us, God bless me materially. Is that okay to pray? I hope it is because I pray that often. I pray that often for our church especially because I know that as God pours his blessing upon our church Our church serves as a conduit of blessing to go out, not only to the needy in our community, but to the uttermost parts of the earth. God's blessing upon us should result in his blessing upon others. The important thing is, are we hoarding blessing or are we a channel of blessing? Is God's blessing and abundance upon us flowing out to the needs of others? God has blessed our church over the years um, and how I continue to thank you all for your generosity. And as you probably know, if you've been around here for a while, part of our vision for 2025 is to increasingly give more and more to the needs of others beyond the walls of our church. We've been able to take steps to do that, not only as our general budget goes in a larger amount, but even as increasing in small increments, the percentage of, uh, our, our budget and thank you for your faithfulness it enables us to do that so I pray this psalm for our church and I encourage you to pray it for yourself but always remember that God's blessing upon us is result in his work going beyond ourselves to meet the needs of others and especially to meet the needs of others who don't know him yet So as we reflect on Psalm 67, a psalm of blessing, a psalm of benediction, a couple questions by way of personal application. First of all, am I experiencing God's grace? Key blessing in this psalm in all areas of my life. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Do you know that the grace of God is something that you and I should be Growing in, in terms of our experience of His grace. That's why Peter writes, and he's writing very clearly to believers here. Made it very clear at the beginning of this letter. He's writing to those who have obtained a light, precious faith. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We often think about growing in knowledge, don't we? I want to know more. I want to learn more. You ever think about growing in your experience of, of living in under the grace of God. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. We're to increasingly experience the grace of God as his enabling power, as his gifting to serve others, as his grace to enable us to glorify Jesus as witnesses in the world with spiritual fruit his ability to endure hardships, to remain steadfast and faithful to God in the midst of the hardest things of all. And then finally, are others seeing the effect of God's grace in me? Remember, the outpouring of God's grace on us should result in blessing for other people, others coming to know him, others coming to experience his saving power. Let's pray about that this morning, shall we? Father, we thank you that you are the God of all grace. And Lord, I pray for your people now. I pray for for those who don't yet know you this morning. That today would be the day they understand that it's completely because of your grace that Jesus endured what he did on the cross to pay for our sins. In his rising from the dead, he has provided for them eternal life if they will embrace him as Savior and Lord. Lord, make that real to any here in our service or watching online who do not yet know you. Draw them to yourself, Father. And Lord, for those of us who are Christians, please give us a greater, richer, fuller understanding of the work of grace in our lives. And I pray now for your people. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Lord, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. May we be a people like that, Lord. May we be a church like that for your glory and your glory alone. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we continue in our worship of the Lord, I want to remind you, this week, Summer Block Party. If you haven't got the package yet, parents, you can pick those up in the Kids Rock Noah's Ark lobbies. This is a virtual one. You may be wondering, why is it virtual? It's because it had to be Planning had to start many months ago. Here, I think, is the benefit of it being virtual, though. You can share this. You may have a friend in India or Indonesia, overseas. Maybe one of our missionaries you're in touch with. Share it with them. Children there can participate in this. But if you need a packet, pick one up. The Noah's Heart Kids Rock Lobby today. And um, again, when you exit, you'll find baskets for your ham here cards we always appreciate that if you drop those in the basket the offering baskets and thank you again for your giving and your support of our church let's worship the lord together Now may God be gracious to you and bless you and cause his face to shine upon you. And may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.